let me say one real quick thing also before we get going. Uh, around Christmas time, some of you might remember, uh, my wife and I had this severe case of acute bronchitis. So we, and then the other things going on in our family. So we were unable to have our family Christmas, so get our kids home and grandkids. So we didn't do that. So my wife is a real stickler like, well, and we've done it in the past. We've done it in October. We've done it in November. I mean, we've done it. So she didn't want to take any of the decorations down until we have our family Christmas. So we still have our, our stuff up. And yesterday we were able to have our family Christmas. First time everybody's been healthy enough to get together at the, on the same day. And, um, so we, and we got a family picture and Linda's really always excited about, you know, family picture. And I thought, you know, maybe I think it'd be kind of neat someday. Uh, I'd love to be able to, for, to put that picture up and let y'all see. I mean, this is incredible. What, you know, for two people to walk on the same sidewalk by a fountain at Sanderson Junior College and nobody introduced them and, and you, I asked Linda out for a date and it turns into this. I mean, it's incredible. And so, and it's all about God. I mean, it's just all how God works. So it's, it's amazing. It's kind of an amazing thing. But uh, so we're excited. Uh, the, the title, titles are always a challenge for me, but obstacles in the Christian life. And that's not even probably that great. But, and what I'm going to do today, I'm, I'm going to, and I hope, I want you to understand you know, in, in seminary and Bible colleges, people, you know, they teach you how to exegete a passage. And so I know the difference between exegeting a passage and taking a scripture and helping, using it to help make a point. But it's not really exegeting the passage. So I understand the difference. But what I'm wanting to do today, if you would turn in your Bibles to Luke 23. Luke 23, and I'm, I'm using this verse to make a point that Jesus made about people not understanding him and not understanding who he is. And, and I want to use that and kind of bounce off of that for us today, because as we have our, however God's called you in the Christian life, there are people that don't understand. They don't understand why you have a conviction about this or why you have a conviction about that. They don't understand. I mean, how many times in my lifetime have I heard, you know, I'm talking about our church to people out where we are. I say, this is about our church. And I'll say, and our church believes in large families. I mean, a lot of people have large families. And I'll say, they have, you know, six. They may have 10. They may have 12 kids. And they go, oh, what? What kind of a church do, are you a part of? What, what, what are... What are they thinking? I'll tell you what we're thinking. We love life. We love children. But people don't understand. So here's the verse. I've made my explanation. I do know the difference, and I know I'm not a John MacArthur, 
But I want to make a point here. In verse 34, then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. So, the Lord Jesus Christ said, Father, forgive them. They don't know. What, they don't understand. They don't know what they're doing. And I think it's essential. I think it's important for us as God leads us through the Christian life. And one thing I can certainly testify, we all have different. I mean, it's it's gotten wider and wider as time has gone along, but different views about how to live the Christian life. And so it's important that we understand when there are obstacles and opposition and people challenge us, how do we respond to those challenges, to what we believe and what we believe God has led us to based on his word. I'm hoping that whatever you're, however you're living your Christian life, you are basing it completely and solely on the word of God. I mean, this is what God God's showed me in his word. This is how my family is to live. And you can imagine, you know, uh, April will be 48 years in full-time ministry. We have met many different age groups of spiritual maturity in the Christian life. We've met, and I've just got them categorized here in my notes, but like infants, people that are just babies in Christ. And we've met some spiritual giants. I mean, I could just name the spiritual giants that are already walking the streets of gold. They're already in heaven. But we've rubbed shoulders with them. One was Skip Smith's daddy. And his daddy, and never will forget, he had snow white, really silvery white hair. and had a little flip up here in the back. It flipped up, and he prayed for us. He said every morning at 4.30, he prayed for us. And when he passed away, I don't want to get too spooky here, but I'm going to tell you what, we felt the absence of his prayers. Mrs. Brannon was the same way. She would call us many times on Saturday and say, what can I pray for? How's the church going? She would pray and when she passed away, we could sense that absence of prayers from a spiritual giant. So we've met infants in the faith, we've known spiritual giants, and we've known many in between. I've seen Christians that are old people that are still on the baby food. They're old, and they still act like infants. They don't know. And then I've seen young Christians, young, that are just growing leaps and bounds. So the question comes up, how do we deal with those? And, and we've all experienced it. I mean, you know, here in the, what, the last five years, you know, North Belt was labeled legalistic. And there was a family that we helped out, by the way, a lot. And they had in their home detox meetings for North, from North Belt. If you've been a member, an ex-member of North Belt, come to our church because we're having a detox meeting. So we, we want you to de detox from uh, legalism of North Belt. 
And um, so how do we deal with this kind of stuff? And how do we deal with people that challenge you? So I want to say, too, about this message. This message is not like a one, two, three step thing of like, I'm going to give you three steps, easy steps, how to resolve all your conflict with people that oppose you. You know, so get that out of your mind. You say, man, I've been waiting on this my whole life. You know, I'm finally somebody's going to tell me how to get out of this. It's not like that. But I'm just going to throw out some ideas that, that we've learned, some things that we've seen about people challenging the, our convictions. What's most troubling to me, you know, I guess you can imagine, can y'all imagine that we see people that have convictions that we don't have? Y'all are there, right? Yeah. Y'all can get halfway excited, okay? Because, I, I mean, it's all right. I mean, just, you know, but we, we, uh, we've seen people that, you know, they don't agree. They, don't, they have a far out thing, and, I, and we're not in that camp. But we've also seen where there were days when, I mean, I wouldn't even think about eating something with sugar in it. I told you all this the other day, I know, but the, you know what was the turning point in my life in that? Bluebell vanilla bean. It said natural on front of it. And I said, that's got to be okay. And I, because we had been making our own ice cream. We'd been doing, all, you know, making our own peanut butter. We were really, 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 y'all didn't know. A lot of us did but it said natural on the front, and that was the downfall. And now I'm buying tin roof by the, you know, six pack. And, you know, I'm going to there. The, oh, I got to tell you all this. Man, I'm going to run out of time so fast. I was in this. We have Normandy, okay? It's tiny. They may have, you know, a few little fruits and vegetables. But I was in there, and everybody knows everybody, okay? So it's just, you know, you walk in, you just, everybody knows you. But this guy worked for Bluebell, so he had a cart, and he was pushing it in, and I, I was in there, and I'd gone in there for tin roof. They brought it back temporarily. So, so I said, uh, I, uh, this guy, he had on a dark blue shirt, real, he had hair about like mine, but real short, real neat, and uh, I said, hey, you got any tin roof on that cart? He was stock, restocking, and he said, um, he said, yeah, I do, and I said, I want a couple, and uh, he said, you know that stuff? He said, I started working for Bluebell 30 years ago. And he said, uh, <clears throat> they had Bluebell then. He said, they brought it back and they've changed it up a little bit, made it better. And he said, it is the hottest selling ice cream that we've got right now, tin roof. And I said, I'll take two. And he came over and he leaned over and he said, it's going to be on sale tomorrow. <laughs> and I said, I'll just take one. So then I have to make another trip, you know, but now don't any of y'all even think about going out and buying tin roof because you're, you're going to be, you'll be hooked for life. But it was that natural vanilla bean that got me. And so I, um, so we, we got off, got back on the sugar and that's when that happened. But 
I called it convictions. We have conviction. I don't eat sugar. And um, it's, but it, what's troubling to us is that when a Christian, you meet Christians and they don't have any convictions at all. Everything's, I mean, just anything goes, no convictions. I don't have a conviction about this. I don't have a conviction about that. I mean, we're under grace and just anything goes. That troubles me. Somebody doesn't have any I'd rather somebody be so far. I mean, you know, okay, good for you. I'm not there, but good for you. Lost people can have convictions. I can have a, I have a conviction. I don't believe in robbing banks. A lost person can have that same conviction. Well, I'm, I, I don't believe in robbing banks either. So they can have, let me just, something happened years and years and years ago. I was listening to someone else preach about convictions and preferences. And they made a statement. And I, I know I've said this a time or two before, but I want to just go back over this real quickly. This is what helped me, I think, as much as anything about convictions versus preferences. And this guy was up there preaching, and this was in the heyday of ATI, and, you know, we had 42 ATI families at North Belt, and, you know, but this was in the day when there were so, but this guy that taught, and I think he was actually a speaker over at Skip Smith's church, and we were there listening. <clears throat> and he said, let me try to clarify the difference between a conviction and a preference. And boy, my ears perked up, because I've got, I've got hundreds of convictions. And he said, a conviction is something you'd be willing to die for. A preference is something that you just don't prefer doing or whatever. And I thought, well, now, wait a minute. You know, at the time, I wasn't eating anything unclean. I mean, I, you know, I told you the time that the guy, we were at this person's house. This was years and years and years ago, our second pastor. And <clears throat> they served me a ham sandwich. And I wasn't eating anything unclean. I mean, I was, it was a conviction well, when they, the man, the wife, when they turned their back, I slipped that piece of meat, that ham, out of that sandwich. I pulled it out, mayonnaise and all, and I wadded it up in a, a napkin, and I put it in my pocket. <laughs> and then when I stood up, I had this huge greasy spot <laughs> it was huge and I'm trying to you know kind of cover it up as we go out the door <clears throat> so it helped me I've, I'm thinking okay I don't eat pork would I die for that and I said, uh-uh, you put a gun to my head and you say, eat that or die? I'd say, let me have it. It wasn't a conviction that I'd be willing to die for. But I had a strong preference. I didn't prefer eating it. And so, when you get to the convictions, if you, if you apply this 
you will have fewer convictions than you really think you do. I'm not going to deny the Word of God. I'm not going to deny the deity of Christ. I'm not going to deny the fact we're going to preach the Word of God. And, and, and it's, I'm going to tell you something else, folks. I think it's real easy to say, I would die for that, but you wait till that moment comes and it would be harder than you think. I mean, it's not going to be easy, easy, but, but the thing is, God will give you the grace. But that helped me. I hope it'll help you. Conviction, something that you're willing to die for. Preference is just something I choose not to participate in. And so that really, really did. I strongly, it helped me. So it excites me when people say I've got a conviction and I have strong preferences. Uh, a person here a couple of years back, two or three years back, a person uh, said something that they were reminded something was moving in a certain direction and they had reminded that at a, at a seminar, during a seminar time, they, they had made a promise to God they wouldn't do something. And this was moving in that direction and, they, and this person, we had a conversation and they said, I'm sorry, I'm just not going to be able to do it because I remembered I promised God I would never do that. And listen, even though I may not hold that same conviction or that same strong preference, this is what I did. I said, praise God that you're trying to honor your promise to God. Not that I agreed with it, but folks, isn't it so much better to encourage each other instead of try to tear each other down? Praise God. Give, give the person credit. You, you, you're trying to stick to your guns. I mean, you're trying to say, I said this to God and I'm going to keep it. And so praise the Lord for that. I didn't say, oh, what are you thinking? What, what in the world are you thinking? I, I don't think, and I could show you scripture why it's not right to feel the way you feel. No, I encouraged the person and said, good for you. Good for you. I didn't debate, I didn't argue, and I didn't try to change their mind. I just said, praise God, you've got a conviction, a preference, whatever it is, whatever you want to call it. I expressed my excitement to the person that they're willing to keep their promise to God. So I, I just said, that's, that's wonderful, good, good. Praise the Lord for people that make a promise and keep it. But I believe the biggest challenge to having convictions and strong preferences is that, and this is years of experience, okay, with these people challenging, okay? 30 years ago, it was so hard to, and, and again, it's still not easy every time, but it was difficult back then to try to respond properly when someone debated you or questioned you why you're doing what you're doing. And, and I think most of us, as we grow in the Lord, uh, we, we're going to keep our convictions. I hopefully believe the convictions and the strong preferences, but we might handle some things a little bit differently. I'll just share this real quickly. Linda's, one of Linda's sisters, they used to go to Round Top and do the, the uh, antiquing and all that stuff. And so they would stay at this bed and breakfast. 
and they were having like a sister to sister talk and and back in the day they had you know they've always had a very very nice swimming pool with the rocks and the fountains and everything and they would invite us to come swim and we just had a uh, preference that we wouldn't we didn't want to do mixed swimming like that we just didn't do it but we'd go and we'd fellowship with them but we wouldn't get in the pool with them she explained to Linda that through those years when we would we would come we tried to go and show that we love them but we wouldn't participate she said we always just felt like y'all felt like you you were better than us or whatever. I don't know exactly how she said it, but something something like that that y'all you just we just didn't feel like we ever matched up. And so that was never our intention to make them feel, I mean, we weren't trying I'm not trying to play the Holy Spirit in somebody's life. That's not my job. It's not my job to bring conviction to them. And so, but I, we felt so bad and Linda apologized and said, oh, that was never our intention. I'm so sorry that you felt that way. And so how do you stand on your convictions and your preferences without, and, and again, you've got to give credit for the Holy Spirit doing a work too in the other person's life. I mean, you have to, you know, think about that, but but keep in mind, we are not the Holy Spirit. And it's not my job to bring conviction in their lives. So we should respond in a Christ-like fashion. And I believe with meekness, with humility, with courage, but with love. And uh, I've probably not done it right every time. I've, there's been wrong responses. When, especially earlier on, we felt backed into a corner. We felt defensive. We felt that I would be combative and try to defend. And then, you know, not like angry, angry, you know, taking your fists and hitting sheetrock or anything. But you would get inwardly angry that, you know, you're being challenged over this. And uh, so, and then you would come across as mad. So we need to, those are, that's a negative response. We need to be responding with meekness and humility with people, not prideful. We need to somehow eliminate the pride from our lives as we have different views about how to live the Christian life. I'm more spiritual than you. And I'm going to tell you what, I've seen that in this church where people, you know, I mean, we've had it. We've had, and it's broken my heart. We've had parents that had a view that they could send their daughter off to a Christian college. And, and, and a father called me up one day, called me up and said, we're leaving the church. And I said, why? You've been such a part that when a daughter comes home from college and she literally is shunned by some of the young ladies at church. She'll be walking on the sidewalk. She's coming home from a Christian college. She's walking on the sidewalk, and somebody will see her, and they'll do a about face and walk away. And he said, I'm sorry. I, we're not going to live like that. And I said, but I've never said anything negative about you doing that. I hate that you're leaving. I'm sorry. We just can't. We can't stay. 
So spiritual pride, we've had people visit here, and, and, and I had one person tell me, and some of you remember, because I think I've mentioned, but I won't say who it was this time, <clears throat> but you probably, some of you might remember, but I had someone say, as they visited this church, and said, this is the most spiritually proud church I've ever attended. Because it's like, you know, if you're not a member of ATI and you don't do homeschooling just the way we do it, you're a nobody. And I've had people, you've heard me say this, I've had people say, can we even join the church? We're not in ATI. I said, sure, we, we homeschool, we, we do Christian curriculum, but we're not in ATI. Can we still join the church? Sure you can. Where did you get that idea you couldn't? So spiritual pride, we, but here's the thing I've learned, and folks, if y'all are with me at all, you know, if you've been here for a while, we were like so pumped up with spiritual pride, like, whoa, man, alive. I mean, Northdale, we're known nationwide. I mean, when Bill Gothard talked about, you know, conservative Baptist churches, he was talking about Northdale. But I'm going to tell you what I've seen God over and over. He's so capable of doing. When he needs to let the air out, he knows just how to do it. And I stand here before you today with absolutely no spiritual pride whatsoever. Do y'all hear me you get what I'm saying? He knows. I mean, if he sees that, that pride, he's opposed to the proud. He gives grace to the humble. So, we've seen families come through here. Their little old families would line up like ducks in a row. And then their kids grew up. And this, these are some things we've observed. Their kids grew up. And their kids started living a different lifestyle. Once they became 18, 19, 20, 21, they've gone to a different lifestyle. Put on Facebook. I don't do Facebook. I've never done Facebook. Don't ever intend to do Facebook. But people report to me, and I've even had people make copies of stuff and show me. But they're boasting on Facebook about the beer they drink, the beer they keep in the refrigerator, and then relatives of some of these same families have said they go to family gatherings and they just absolutely are dressing so immodestly. It is just sickening. They're raising their kids with no limitations. And then I've seen also, as their kids grow up, it's kind of like the parents have to say, you know, they're living their life. I'm still holding my convictions, my preferences, but my kids don't hold the same. But I've seen this happen where the parents start defending the child and saying, I was wrong for the way I raised them. I've seen that. Where people say, I... We made a mistake. We didn't raise them right. Because they're out going and they're drinking alcohol and they're partying and they're doing all this stuff. 
And so the parodies have to say, you know, I don't agree with that, but I still love them. Um, but I've seen them say, it was my fault. And you know, that's what a lot of these young people that have come through ATI and North Belt, they've gotten up in their adult years and they blame North Belt and they blame their parents for the way they've turned out. And I had one person the other day say, grow up. Why don't you start ex accepting your own responsibilities? Do y'all know what a lot of prisoners tell police officers? They'll say, please, officer, don't put me in jail tonight or you're going to ruin my life. No, buddy, you ruined your own life. D did y'all get that? Don't throw me in jail or you're going to ruin my life. Okay, so look at the way you turned out, young adult. Accept full responsibility for the way you turned out. Don't blame your parents. Don't blame the church. Blame yourself if you don't like what you see. And all God's people said amen. So I implore you, I beg you, let's figure out some ways to be careful. Here's, a, a, here's another, these are true stories. We were in this house over here 19 years. We had a grandfather bring a baby in diapers to show us. He was proud of his new grandbaby. Showed us the grandbaby. That grandbaby grew up. That grandbaby got married. That grandbaby had two kids. And one day, out of the clear blue, that same grandbaby that was carried in our living room announced to his wife, I'm leaving you, announced to his kids, I'm leaving you because I am a sodomite. And the grandparents had to make a choice. They had to decide, and they, so they told him. They said, we love you unconditionally. And so here, here's, here are the rules. You will never be able to enter that door with your sodomite friends in my house. You can come, and we're going to continue to love on you and love you and pray for you, but your friends will never darken the door of our house. And I personally agree with that. One of our past churches, a deacon, had three daughters or so. One of them was 16. A 30, like 32-year-old married man. This I'm not making this stuff up. A 32-year-old married man started seeing his 16-year-old daughter. And... I found out, I talked to him personally. I said, what's going on? He said, well, I've, I've said that they can meet in the living room. I said, you what? He said, yeah, I, they can meet in the living room. And he said, because pastor, if I say you can't meet in my living room, I know they'll just meet somewhere else secretly. And I said, well, that's where you and I are so different. 
Because I said, I'm under grace. And I would tell that man, that married man, 32 years old, you don't step a foot on my property to come see my daughter. And I would physically stop him. He would not come on the property and sit on my living room with eyes for my 16-year-old daughter. And I believe that's a Christ-like response. And of course, some of you do remember, I, I, I realize, and they say that when you know you're repeating yourself, it's okay. But it's when you don't know you're repeating yourself, that's when you're really in trouble. So I know I've told this story maybe, you know, three or four times. But at, uh, but at Riesel, we had a little Bible study, youth Bible study. That was our first pastorate. And the youth from the church would come to our living room. And so they came. And so one evening, everybody left. This one girl stayed. And she, she told my wife, she said, um, I, I'm in trouble. And, and she started crying. She said, I'm pregnant. And uh, she said, and my parents are telling me I must get a, an abortion. And so we had prayer with her. And we told her, um, you know, there are, there are just times. I mean, we'd say, obey your, your daddy was lost. Everybody knows he's lost. But there are times that you obey God rather than man. And so we said, you know, if you, if you do this, it's going to be committing murder. And um, so she went home and told her family that the pastor and the pastor's wife said, you know, I can't have an abortion because if I do, it's committing murder. So the guy shows up. Y'all remember the story, don't you? The guy shows up in the front yard in his truck and he has the door open and he's standing there and I knew he was yelling, screaming, and he was, he was really mad. Linda, I'd handed her a loaded revolver and she was standing at the door behind the, at the edge of the door with a loaded revolver and this guy was so upset, so mad and he was screaming, he was reaching under the seat of his truck and saying, if you don't stay out of our lives, there is going to be a murder. Poor Linda, she's in her early 20s. So years later, we left the church, went to another church. Years later, that we're at a, Linda's at a conference. And she ran into this same girl. She said, my folks forced me to have an abortion. She said, every time I see a child that age, she said, I just weep. She said, I just weep because I know my little baby would be that age. And she said, but I'm married now and we have children and my husband's a pastor. And I'm able to help people. I help people as they go through life with troubles and struggles. And I'm able to help them and encourage them about life. Linda hugged. They hugged and so grateful. She said, I've forgiven myself and I've forgiven my parents. But God's using me in the, in the midst of my sin and failure. God is still, and so she experienced God's grace and God's forgiveness, and her life continued on. 
even with her sin and failure that affected so many people. Now, folks, there are going to be some challenges along the way. Some parents, some parents will choose homeschooling and some will not 100%. Some will eliminate maybe totally watching television and they may limit the amount of television, the type television. Um, they, some parents, I had a, a conviction, not a conviction, a strong preference, but we didn't allow sleepovers when our kids were growing up. We didn't, we didn't allow it because of circumstances that we know happened at sleepovers, and we, they're confirmed, it did happen, and so we just said we're not going to put our kids out there in somebody else's home. They were little, and I said I'm not going to do that. Uh, but we're going to have to learn to work together if somebody has a view about something that we don't jump on them and criticize them and tell them how wrong they are and try to change their mind. Show respect. Show a little grace. Even if you don't agree. Now, one thing we cannot show grace on is when we know there is Absolute proven abuse. There is a law that requires if you are aware of abuse in a home, you have to report it or they can come after you. But we need to be very, very careful about how we deal with folks that have different views and, 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 and not appear to be that I'm superior. I'm so much more spiritual than you because you don't do something and I do, or I do and you don't. I think when people speak to us in a mature, if we're, if we're acting with, with spiritual maturity, we would listen to them with grace. We would listen to their, their criticism and their opposition to us with the grace of God. And we always should show respect, not demean them, not try to make them feel like, well, you're so much lesser than I am because I don't do this. We should be a Christ-like response. And you can study the life of Christ and see he was so falsely accused. He was lied about. He was called a, a glutton, and even they even said he was demon-possessed. Look at the way he responded in the face of criticism. When we decided to homeschool, back way back when we decided to homeschool, my dad was serving on the Laporte Public School School Board, and he was totally opposed to us homeschooling. He was totally opposed to it and even challenged Linda's credentials. And then her dad, when we announced them we're going to do homeschooling, her dad got up, walked outside, said, y'all are about to ruin three good kids. They opposed it. But you know what? As life went on, they embraced it. And they saw the fruit Linda's mother was a public school teacher in Dobie High School. She was opposed. She was, they were opposed to it. 
But when you're when you know this is how God is leading, somehow we've got to say, I'm moving forward. I'm going to as parents, as adults, we have our own jurisdiction. God's led us. We're going to go ahead and do this, even if people oppose. And, you know, this is what God wants you to do. So be in constant prayer. Ask God for wisdom, how to handle this, how to respond properly. My decision is Christ-centered, Bible-centered, Bible-based. The Holy Spirit has led me, so follow Him. Let Him lead. And the lifestyle that we live will be totally, it'd be like going upstream in a river with the world. The world is not going to understand. They do not agree. They're going a totally different way. And by the way, let me just say this. I think I mentioned this the other day. But I've heard some great messages here recently, and I'm not going to try to like parrot somebody else's message. But I'm hearing some good messages, and it's troubled me about America and, and how we're thinking. How do we get to think? How can all this transgender stuff and all this, how is this? And there are some very scholarly people that are saying, this is what it looks like when God starts judging a nation. Did y'all... This is what it looks like. America is what it looks like when God starts judging a a nation. And I thought, man, that resonates. That I I get that. How can people? I mean, how do they get there? God's turned them over to a reprobate mind, and that's how a reprobate mind thinks. So you're going to have through life, hopefully, folks, let me just say this, please. We're kind of getting close to the end. Isn't that wonderful? See, I told you this. I'm practicing for television. So these television guys, they have to cut it off in 29 minutes. So I'm practicing for the day I'm on television. (laughs) Steven's over there just shaking his head. He said, you know, bless his heart. He's never going to make television. (laughs) and I know that Stephen I know that but it's fun to, to, to think about but anyway so in conclusion the first attempt at landing there are going to be people that accuse falsely accuse us and they're going to make false accusations they're going to call us liars they're going to call us deniers they're going to call us All kind of names because we don't like. See, they feel bad that we're trying to live a life led by the Holy Spirit and they're not. So they're going to accuse and and attack. So the Lord Jesus was accused and attacked the same way. And so I really would hope that you would at the end of this today, you would say, okay, convictions, preferences. Examine your life. Look at your lifestyle. Look at your family. Have you just said, you know, anything goes. I'm under grace. You know, I don't have any view about anything. I'm just going to let anything happen. Folks, God's given you the responsibility over your children. And you have a responsibility to raise. He's, you're the steward. He's placed them in, under your care. 
And you better be concerned about who they're talking to on the phone. And <coughs> excuse me, you better be concerned about what they're viewing in their little minds on television. You better be concerned about that. And I, I've never said this, that I believe North Belt is the only safe place. But even at North Belt, you better be watchful. And you need to be careful. You need to make certain that if your kids are off like huddling in a little circle by themselves and nobody's around, I don't, don't hesitate to walk up. So what kind of convictions do you have? What kind of preferences do you have? Are you doing it with love? Can people tell that you really love Jesus and, and you're not condemning them because they live a different lifestyle than you do? Or they have a different view of something than you do? I could just see. Listen, folks, the reason I'm doing some of these messages that I'm doing right now is because I feel like this is how our church, back over in that other building, these were the kind of messages that we heard. These are the things that we discussed. These are the things we preached. And I'm going to tell you, this is where we are. And so I would encourage you. No. Are, do all your kids do things exactly the way you hope they do? They certainly don't. But you love them unconditionally anyway. Though they don't hold the same strong preferences, they may not hold the same views on things, you still love them unconditionally. So let's examine. Let's examine how we respond. It needs to be Christ-like. It needs to be with meekness. It needs to be with, with confidence, but not proud confidence, but with courage and, and boldness, but with love, tempered with love that people could see. The only reason I'm doing what I do and what I don't do is because I just love the Lord. And don't say it like I do and you don't. It's because I love the Lord so much and you really don't. That's why you're living the kind of sickly life you're living. Please, we've got to get there. We've got to. The Lord Jesus Christ is wanting us to be so strong together. And we are one of the things, and I, I know I've said this before, but Bill Gothard, our kids were family coordinators for a long time, several years. And Bill Gothard would ask our kids this question when we had all these ATI people. He said, does, this, does Northfield still have unity? He was concerned because he said, when you get that many people together that are so strongly opinionated, he's seen it before, it just blows up in churches because people take sides and people do this and people do that and, and it explodes. And he just said, you know, I'm, I'm encouraged that North Belt still has unity. And so let's have an invitation. Let's let God lead us. Let's examine how are we responding to those that challenge us, those that are criticizing us, those that are opposing us in our views and our, our walk. But they need to see Christ living his life through us as we are up against the wall and they're, they're challenging but they need to see Jesus. They need to see him live his life through us in the face of opposition. Let's pray.
Father in heaven, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you that Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And I just thank you that that's been such a reassuring verse to me as we think about people that disagree, they don't understand, they challenge, they, they criticize. I just pray, Father, that you'd help us to live a life of grace, that we could win them by living a Christ-like life rather than trying to force views down their throat. So I just pray that you'd help us, Father, as we deal with the reality of life, these real things that happen in, in, in life. I pray you would encourage us, help us to be responsive to you. And I pray that if anyone in the sound of my voice today is lost without Jesus Christ, that today would be the day of salvation, that they would come to know Jesus in a personal way and begin living for him, obedient to him. We just love you so much, Father, and thank you for your love for us in Jesus' name. Amen.